0: Welcome to the Second Floor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Kenny Buller. We're here today to talk about how to survive, how to thrive, and keep the good vibes going in life and business. On today's episode, I am extremely excited to bring to your attention, Sikandar Ati. Our special guest, Sikandar, happens to be one of the founding members of Next Equities Group. With Next Equities, Sikandar has wanted to dig into two specific industries where his group can invest in to ultimately innovate and change the game. Number one, Scandler is the founder and president of Kepler Academy. Number two, he is the founder member of Press Gallery. With the background of having an MBA from New York University, he has been able to take these two industries and rapidly change how they are operating themselves in the market of edmonton Alberta. Kepler Academy is a child care learning center where kids from the age of zero to five year old can learn multiple different ways of applying their learning through jujitsu, through yoga, through multiple different extracurricular activities, along with seeing how their learning style directly relates to how they can efficiently operate as a child. So that way in their adult life, they are at a peak optimization of health, being physical, and being mentally stimulated. As for Press Gallery, Secunders Group has completely innovated the structure of what laundry and dry cleaning businesses are able to offer today. We talk about how Secunders Group has turned Press Gallery into this system where if you need laundry done, you're able to have certain drivers pick up your laundry and then deliver it to you back in 48 hours. It's literally like the Uber of laundry. And as well, Sikandar manages to be the chair of the Moskers, which happens to be the largest international festival to showcase Muslims where they themselves are able to express themselves through the art in which they love to showcase who they are and what they love to do. Super excited to get into this. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to the Second Floor Podcast. I'm here with the one and only Sikander Atik. going on, man. How you doing, brother? Good, bro. Good. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I wanted to actually start off, Sikander, by, you know, trying to grasp the thought of how you're able to juggle so many different things at the same time. And that's something where I see that you're heavily passionate about everything that you're doing, Mm -hmm. but it also, from a third-person perspective... I see how a lot of what you're doing are very different from one another, and this comes from a place where I've been told multiple times over, you know, to focus in on one thing, don't put all your eggs in different baskets, but you're somebody who's able to prove (laughs) that whole entire
1: mentality wrong. Yeah, to a degree, I mean, I think professionally my job just requires that, right? Like my job has me working in completely different industries on a day-to-day basis. Has me looking at different opportunities on a day to day basis. So uh, professionally, it's kind of ingrained in me, right? That you know it's possible to look at like what is the common thread that you can push and y- you can get results out of, whether it's like the dry cleaning industry or the childcare industry, right, uh, or healthcare industry. You know, three different industries that I'm involved in intimately on a day to day basis. And then kind of when you look look beyond that, you know, yeah, I am involved in in different. Things kind of more, let's call it extracurricular wise. Um, but they're all like very different components of who I am as a person, right? Like yeah. with, with the mosquers, you know, it's a creative outlet for me. It's an opportunity for me to showcase to the Muslim community uh, and the broader community, I should say, uh, the diversity of, of the Muslim community, right? And mm-hmm. it's, it's a cause that I think I'm very, you know, I think can be very impactful if done right and one that I'm obviously very passionate about. Yeah. Um, so so with the mosques, it's, it's, it's flexing those creative muscles that you don't get to flex as much uh, otherwise. Uh, and then, you know, I'm all, also a, an avid, you know, hockey player and have been playing my entire life. And for me, that's as much a uh, kind of the physical outlet as it is kind of the mental break, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not so much that you're like doing... At least for me, I don't. I don't feel like it's as if that I'm. I'm doing so much. It's more so that, I'm. 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 I'm kind of uh, taking care of my different needs of my own life. You know, like my my creative need, my professional needs, my you know physical sports needs, and you know hand in hand with that kind of the, the, the mental break needs that you need for just kind of taking, you know, two hours of a day and just being like, Hey, this is, this is my time. Hit the ice, have a good time. Forget about work, forget about the stresses of anything yeah. else and just go at it. Right. exactly I'm sure you find it too, right? Like you, yeah. you high level athlete yourself, as mm-hmm. well as doing jujitsu, as well as doing, you know, commercial sales and yeah. this podcast. I mean, it's the same thing. Whenever you have, Whenever you have a desire to do something, I think you can make time for it, right? Yeah. That's
0: why, you know, it's funny. If we if we pick apart
1: all of those in different ways, let's first look at the
0: Oscars, for instance, because that's near and dear to you. That's coming yeah. up right away. Coming up in a week. It's coming up next weekend, and it's going to be the 13th year that Oscars yep. is in fruition. Uh, I believe, personally, it seems like that's something that you are it's being stemmed from a, a cultural lens it's coming from a place where you know you're taking your upbringing and you're taking where your background has mm-hmm. come from and now you're putting it out there in the brighter light mm-hmm. and for those who probably have no idea what the moscars is why don't you kind of share uh what's going to be happening this year and sure. what moscars is is kind of morally encompassing and, and what sort of flavor you have be able to add
1: to yeah that. yeah no i um appreciate the opportunity to share that because i think If you were to only hear the tagline, you know, like the Moskars is, you know, the world's largest film festival that uh, looks to change the way people see Muslims, it might feel a little daunting, right? It might feel a little scary, especially if you're a non-Muslim, especially if, you know, uh, if you're coming from a certain lens that may not... uh, understand the diversity of the Muslim community, you might think, okay, this is an event for Muslims by Muslims. That's not the case at all. You know, uh, the mosque was founded 13 years ago uh, as an opportunity to showcase the diversity of the Muslim community, to dispel misconceptions and stereotypes about Muslims to the broader community, right? So the entire intention was to, uh, you know, try to promote, uh, and it was, again, it was very organic, very grassroots when it first started. And the intention was to promote uh, young Muslims to grab a, a camera and tell their own story. That was the initial prompt, right? right? And from there, it's kind of grown and grown and grown and grown um, in, the, in, the, in the middle of years and, and you know the reason why Like just maybe to take a step back initially my involvement with the mosque was very much from like an, a supremely amateur level uh, uh, filmmaking perspective uh, I would submit movies to the, the festival. We'd have a good time with it. We'd make a bunch of slapstick comedies. Uh, people would have fun with it. And, and you know, it would be a, a nice event that everybody would go to once a year. Uh, but what I kind of, as I took a step back and kind of looked at the organization, looked at what was going on with the Oscars, it was like a phenomenally executed uh, event that was showcasing these Amateur filmmakers here in the city of Edmonton, um, and also the you know uh, an additional element was added to it, which was um, the the organizers would bring in like a, a featured comedian. So you know big big names within the Muslim community, right? Like so, like Masdarani came in the past, and like other um, Asman. like all all these guys who in the Muslim community are, are big time comedians and, yeah. and fantastic draws. But what I kind of saw was that it started to become what it shouldn't have, which was a very safe event for Muslims by Muslims. And that wasn't the intention, right? The intention was to promote this amongst a broader audience. It was to make it something that anybody can walk into and relate to and really to to showcase talent, showcase diversity, right? So um, when I moved back to Edmonton in kind of late 2014, early 2015, Um, I was asked if I would be interested in joining the board and and I told them straight up, I was like, listen, if if I'm going to join, I'm not going to stay quiet, right? I want to voice these concerns and I want to make sure that, you know, there's, yeah, exactly, hopefully make some positive change. But at the very least, let's talk about some of these things that maybe other people are thinking as well, because in my opinion, it doesn't matter if it's the Oscars, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, professional life, if you're not constantly evolving, you're going to get." left behind right it's very true. and so i find you
0: have that mentality with everything you do yeah it's really good it, it,
1: and yeah and, and so for me it was one of those things where i wanted us to make the films the central component of the event again and what what the event is it's a short film contest right it's it, you know it, it's films that are between the between three minutes and 15 minutes long they're screened at the, at, the, at the main ceremony, which it, it's a beautiful ceremony, right? It's a, a red carpet ceremony at the Winspear Center for the last four years, you know, really well, uh, you know, well laid out, lobby set up, mm-hmm. um, you know, phenomenally high production value. Um, you know, we do not cut any corners and the organization has not cut any corners for the last like 10 years, right? It's always been a really high end event. But the focus had shifted away from like people thinking, oh, really excited to see these diverse stories to instead being like, oh, you know, so-and-so comedian is coming. And what really struck me was that one year that, you know, that the year prior to my joining, um, a comedian by the name of Mazda Bryan that we brought on. And you could tell that 90, like maybe not 90, but like 70% of the crowd was just there to see him. Like the organizers, and yeah. I, I had the conversation with them afterwards. The organizers were basically telling me that yeah, people would call and be like, "What time is Mads coming on?" We just want to come for that part and then and then leave. And that's not the intention yeah. of and the event. Neglected internet. the entire so, purpose of what you're trying to do. So I drew the board, and initially, uh, immediately, I said, "Listen, we need to change the focus back into the storytelling. Right? We need yeah. to make it back about the films and the filmmakers, and about the entire." diversity of our community, right? And so right away we started looking at uh, expanding our search for films. Uh, So that was the first year we looked at uh, international submissions. Uh, And then as we've evolved from year over year, last year we had uh, films from, uh, I believe, 16 different countries, uh, 75 submissions uh, from all around the world. Wow. Uh, we narrowed that down to about 90 minutes of uh, of film content that was aired at the main uh, festival. Uh, and then last year we also had um, an intention and we executed. I, I, I hope people would agree, but I think we executed it quite well. We also wanted to promote other forms of creative expression within sort of the Muslim community, right? So we had, for the first time, uh, Brother Ali uh, was performing there, who's a uh, uh, he's a hip-hop artist. We had uh, Amir Suleiman, who's a spoken word artist. Mm-hmm. And then we still had a host who was a comedian by the name of Omar Regan host the entire event. Um, and so it was like a very eclectic mix of showcasing that really talented diversity within the Muslim community. And... The big thing for me, the big win for me last year, we had our highest attendance ever, but more important than that was how diverse the crowd was, right? Yeah. there were people from all sorts of ethnic backgrounds, all sorts of cultural backgrounds, all sorts of religious backgrounds, and as a result of that, you had a lot more opportunity for people to see things that they may not have otherwise ever seen, right? Yeah. N- n- you know, someone who has grown up in Canada in, you know, a traditional, maybe non-Muslim upbringing, and sees that holy shit, there's people who are making phenomenal films, uh, you know, from all corners of the world that are not necessarily shaped by their religious background, but just shaped by their own narrative. And that. it's it's resonating, and it's powerful, and it's emotional, and it's impactful. Uh, and then there's spoken word artists who are featured on HBO and and, and Showtime and all these phenomenal, uh, you know, publications and That's huge. Uh, and and they're. Here speaking to us like with incredibly powerful poems and hip-hop and this and that. So the entire experience is something that uh, becomes much more of a showcase of, you know, not about the religion, right? It's not about, hey, I want to bang you over the head with how amazing Islam is, right? That's not our intention. Never has been our intention. Never mm-hmm. will be our intention, right? It's about the people. It's about Muslims. It's about people who identify as being Muslim and showcasing that diversity. So um, so this year, for the first time ever, we're doing a showcase of all female Muslim creatives. And so we have a a female uh, hip-hop artist, spoken word, and um, comedian again. And our films are also, um, I want to say it's close to 75%, but it's definitely above 50% produced or directed by... Uh, female creatives. Oh, wow. um, and something we started about three years ago as well, which um, is being, again, influenced heavily by, by our theme this year, is we started... Uh, we had to be careful around the wording just because of the negative potential um, backlash, I guess backlash right? around the idea of this, but what we recognized was that people would come to the event, have a good time, but then they'd all go their separate ways, right? And the entire point of this was to bring people together to have conversations. Yeah. So we started three years ago an after party, which we called Popcorn, which because, you know, we thought, okay, what's the perfect compliment to a movie? Popcorn. Yeah. So, Love it. Uh, so Popcorn was started three years ago, sold out immediately, which was awesome to see, um, last year yeah, we had a great, great, uh, great showing, uh, this year too, we're doing it in a top secret location. We're super excited about it. It's going to be incredibly, diaper. it's going to be incredibly unique. Um, but again, we're doing uh, a display of a lot more, uh, uh, visual art by, by Muslim uh, female creatives yeah. so paintings wood burning pieces oh, wow. uh, photography yeah. so it's going to be a really really unique situation that's incredible um, so yeah next Saturday September 21st
0: sweet are our tickets, tickets still available they
1: are still available in com slash tickets for the main event I would be surprised if we have popcorn tickets remaining past like Monday Tuesday so sure. if people are Interested oh, hey, in that right if you're listening to this on a Monday get it by Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, That's sweet. yeah. You know what I,
0: I find really neat about the entire concept is You mentioned a lot about uh, I'll use the word perspective right? Yeah. it's really neat to know that you're bringing so many people in a room who very much So a lot of them predominantly being Muslim have very similar backgrounds mm-hmm. and it is now the time where it's, it's the first time in, in canada really from what we're seeing in the city and from an international perspective where you're going to see that despite everyone having a similar background being told this is what you need to do in life this is what you shouldn't do you're now seeing everybody come together and you're able to recognize that there's a lot of i don't want to use the word rebel there's a lot of uh, let's say um those who are Muslim or of any ethnicity right. coming together and they're showcasing the talent that they love doing. Yeah, absolutely. and whether it's something that they're doing on the side and they're still doing a very, you know, reputable uh, career or they're just doing something to make ends meet, they're showcasing their talent and they're not afraid to showcase it. And then now when you get the the kids who bring their parents or you get just anybody who's going to come, I would love to see how much that changes their own perspective when they come out of it and go like wow look at all the people where it's not just my kid or it's not just someone in my life who totally. decided to kind of break Revere those from values, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know and be, and be like not to be afraid to ultimately showcase those talents Yeah, because exactly. I have a lot of friends and I have, I have a lot of people who felt that way Totally. What where they're right? like, oh, no, I can't do it because if I'm on that phone i was yeah, do yeah. this. You know, it would be haram. Or it would be right, haram right, right, right. Something yeah, along I mean, those lines. No,
1: that's a good point. I mean, and, and I think you're right. I think it's a much more universal dilemma than just like Muslims, right? I mean, I think it's, to be frank, I think it's much more of a of an immigrant struggle, regardless of what your your background is. And I think a lot of, and I, it's funny because... Um, so we launched our own podcast this year as well with the Mosques called the Halal Gap, yeah. and I had a chance to sit down with uh, somebody I've gotten to know over the last few years, a gentleman by the name of Rami Youssef, who has his own show now. He's crushing. He hosted the Mosques for us twice. Oh, it's amazing! Um, and he, he's absolutely crushing it right now, right? He has his own HBO special, Sweet. like comedy special. He's on season two of uh, of his own show. It's called Rami. Um, got Marshall Ali. And he's out of? Yeah. No, no, no. He's based in. He's he's out of Jersey, but he's Sweet. based in between like New York and L.A. Anyway, long story short, uh, him and I were talking about this and basically what he said is that he's like, "For, for me, from my perspective and from what I'm seeing, and I completely agree with him, he's like, we can't afford to like, f up what our parents have struggled so hard for you know what i mean it's like it's like if you if you look at it from that perspective it's like we don't have the privilege of being like i'm just going to pursue my passion you know uh and so a lot of that is just i think people you know growing up seeing that like okay you know i, I i'm in a very unique situation my, my my father obviously worked his ass off but you know uh has had very successful businesses throughout my life, but I, I know he's had to struggle like like a, very significantly from an early age. But you see other people as well who, who, whose parents are continually struggling, right, still struggling in order to just put enough on the table in order to put their kids through university, right, or put their kids through a trade school or whatever it is and for them, it's like, okay, I better have a stable nine to five that can pay me what I need to get paid in order to survive, in order to grow the, the you know, to take advantage of what my parents have sacrificed, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I was talking to a good friend of mine yesterday, he was, you know, he was talking about how his father was a head of radiology in Pakistan, and he left it when he's at the top to be an x-ray tech in America in order to give his kids an opportunity to get to a university education in yeah, America, to be right? willing to do that, and so you. yeah, you went from like top, top, upper class lifestyle to making fifty-five, sixty thousand dollars a year in America with you know three kids to raise, right? And that's like a very common story here. Absolutely. So I think when you grow up in that mindset, it's like well, sh- like you know, I owe it to my family to basically have stability. But yeah. I think as we're getting second generation, as we're getting a little bit more open, as we're starting to see that, hey, there are really successful opportunities and career paths outside of being a doctor, lawyer, yeah. or, you know, uh, engineer, or whatever else, I think people are starting to recognize that, okay, this pathway exists, right? Yeah. And that it's not just like a pastime, it's not just a... Um, a waste of time or any of that it's this is a really important outlet for people in our shoes people who look like us to take advantage of right because mm-hmm. if we don't then we're not going to get the representation that's required in order for the broader community yeah. to see how we live which is just like everybody else yeah, yeah, you know yeah. we don't need to be the token terrorists on TV anymore right exactly. we've got the big uprising the, the brown revolution that's going on right now with oh, Hasanai. Totally. I love and it. With Aziz and you know, with uh with Rami on, on HBO and Hulu. So so it's it's happening, but I think it's hap- it's happened now and not earlier yeah. because of like, you know, that idea that we just We've been brought up with, right? Yes, absolutely. So, yeah,
0: you know what? To add to that, though, I want to level set with you about the whole parents thing because it, it's so funny how like it happens to so many of us. I have my dad. dad. He he said to me this. He said he said this to me very recently. Yeah. He's seeing how he's seeing less of me now, and it's mainly due to you know I I moved out recently. I've uh, been very busy with the work I'm doing. Whether yeah. it's my nine to five job or it's the podcast or it's uh, anything else in like jujitsu. And for me, going back to like the creative outlets in which we choose to do, as much as I would be doing all of this without even remotely getting paid eventually or, or doing it for the sole purpose of my passion, I know that eventually all these things can be monetized. Mm-hmm. Right? And so my dad goes to me, he's like, oh, but like, why are you staying so busy with all these things? Like, come home, like, you don't need to be working this hard. Right. He's like, I get it, when I was your age, I I had uh, your older brother. I had a kid, and I was busting my butt off. But you don't need to do that. He says we have million dollar land sitting there, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, there you go. But I had to tell my dad, and I had to I had to really uh, like have this type of conversation with him. And I said, Dad, listen, like I'm working this hard now because one, I, I enjoy what I'm doing yeah. with everything I, I I'm, I'm doing it. In. It doesn't feel like work to me for most for the most part. Right. And secondly, I want to ensure that future kenny 10 years later has it figured out for my kids but also for myself and has everything that i'm doing that's going to have benefits reaped out of it yeah because what yeah. i noticed with my parents is yes they work so damn hard but they put us first right they they, they sacrifice a lot for themselves totally so for my, my dad he's personally like oh like i'd rather have your time than anything else i'm like yeah i get that dad but right now i'd rather work hard yeah, so yeah. That way, when i am older and i have kids i can spend more time with them yeah, you know. So, Makes and sense. I, I find like there's there's always so many different reasons. Totally, to after what
1: they do creatively, right? I think from that creative outlet perspective too, it's you know, you it, it's like one of two tracks, right? You're either doing it because you love it, you're passionate about it, and it's something that you just want to do, right? So you're, it might be just like a complete side hustle. Or you're doing it because you love it, you're passionate about it, and you want to make a career out of it, right? Yeah. Like for me, the creative outlet is not something that I know I'll ever be able to make a living off of, so I'm never gonna pursue it in that way. It's mm-hmm. something I genuinely enjoy doing, it's something that, you know, I believe in from a cause perspective, like because I think film is one of the most powerful ways to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's why I'm like so hardcore about being a part of it. But I'm not looking at it from a professional lens, you know? Um, If you're looking at it from a professional lens, you've gotta make sacrifices that are beyond, um, like, you gotta give it all, right? Like, you gotta really make it something that you're just entirely, you gotta work a job that's allowing you to basically drop on an instant and do an audition, right? You gotta be, there's so many more sacrifices. So, I mean, long story short, like, the cre- I think the creative element that people pursue um, is something that either they're doing, a, 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 regardless of whether they're doing, they're doing it professionally or just on the side, it's got to come from a place of passion, mm-hmm. you know? And if it doesn't, it's not going to work. Definitely. Like, you can, I'll say this because, like, you know, I've done it from time to time. You can mail it in at work if you're working a desk job, right? If you're working a creative job, you cannot mail it in you know, that will show in your work, very
0: true. right?
1: Whereas if you're data entry for five hours of a day, and, and I, listen, I've had to do that, I continue to have to do that every now and again, like, I will put music on and I will zone out and do it, right? Yeah. Get it done. Yeah, totally. But, like, if you do something like this, where you have to engage with people, you have to, like, spark <laughs> yeah. conversation, you have to make sure your you're personality yes. Yeah, totally, man. So right. it's got to come from a place of passion that, like, a, not a lot of people have, right? Or if they do have it, they better go all in yeah.
0: if they want to make a career out of it. I love that. I what want to kind of use that as a transition, transition to figure out your your mindset, mindset on how you how you, how you took, took creativity, creativity into, let's say the daycare business that you're running with Kepler Academy and on top of the press gallery with how you completely innovated both spaces in uh, the laundry industry as well as in uh, daycare facilities because it's amazing to see how even I'm sure from everyone listening to this up until this point they can get a good understanding, especially just mm-hmm. when we're going to... I wonder how many people
1: again. tune out halfway... Do you have stats on that? Like, how many people I listen don't... past, like, minute 20? We do. We do have okay. that. A lot <laughs> of people right. will pay attention yeah. to the first little so we I, get the hook right I'm going to myself already. Look, you <laughs> No, no, no. Whoever's yeah. still sticking yeah, around Exactly. <laughs> minutes, right? Exactly.
0: I want to know, really, how you've taken that creative juice that you already have and how must that, let's say... The time you were with your investment group through Next Equities, and you realized that, okay, which industry do we need yeah. to tap into? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. And
0: what is the best way to go about it? And whichever one you want to share No,
1: no, no. So, is so, so, is it, no, so I moved back, I mentioned, in like late 2014, early 2015. And, and around that time, and so Next Equities, which is the, 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 the fund that um, my, my family started about eight years ago now. Um, the intention of it was to try to acquire and to grow businesses that still have significant growth opportunity predominantly here within sort of the Edmonton region right and when you do that, typically what you do is you, look, you wait for deals to hit your desk, right? You talk to different bankers, you talk to different business brokers, accountants, lawyers, In, they're called intermediaries, right? You talk to intermediaries who then present you with deals, Hey, hey, my client's looking to sell his business, here you go, here's a shiny piece of paper, you can look over and see what you like, right? Okay. Um, 2014, 2015, oil prices were starting to collapse, right? And at, being in Alberta, being in Edmonton, a lot of the deal flow that we saw was naturally related to the energy sector. And at that time, and even today, one of the largest investments in our portfolio already was in the energy sector. We had a huge land development deal uh, that we were working on anyway, uh, in Leduc, which is again heavily reliant, especially at that time before the cannabis industry took off heavily relying on the energy sector. Mm-hmm. So our portfolio was already just very concentrated on, on oil and gas. Yes. And we just couldn't, and I couldn't justify investing further into that industry, especially given that oil prices were falling off a cliff. We had no idea where the the, the the market was going. Companies that were being presented had like historic highs in 2012, 2013, 2014 when things were just going amazing. So it became a situation where like, All of 2015, we just literally could not justify making an investment because the deals we were seeing just did not make sense. And eventually, um, so I ended up bringing one of my good friends on board to work with us who uh, had like a very analytical, more more like a process driven mindset. He had worked at Walmart corporate for a number of years uh, and more than that he was just like a hustler right he mm-hmm. he could knock on a 100 doors a he got his hands dirty exactly he could do it right so so i told him i said, we like sat down we said look we got to find businesses that still make sense right we got to flip the equation on his head rather than businesses coming to us we've got to go out and find businesses right and you know i don't remember who said it to me but i remember when i was in uh when i was was doing my mba um like we had like a, a coffee chat with somebody, and he was like, "Yeah, like with our firm, we don't look for like when we get deals, we kind of see those as like polished turds rather than hidden gems, right? Yeah. We're looking for hidden gems. We're not looking for the pieces of the shit that people have made shiny and presented to you yeah. to to basically look pretty, I right? Like that. Something that no so one has even exactly, up to exactly. So, so we started thinking about that. We were like, okay." Forget the polished turds, let's go find the hidden gems, right? Oh. And when we started thinking about that, we, we said let's take a step, before thinking of the business, let's take a step backwards and think of the industry, right? What industries can excite us? What industries can survive a recession? Uh, and where have people been doing the same thing over and over and over and over That's again for a long ass time without any sort of innovation, right? And that's what we started to recognize that in these highly fragmented spaces, right? Where it's just a ton of mom and pops who are so focused on firefighting and keeping the doors open on a day-to-day basis that they're not able to look a thousand feet ahead and innovate and recognize that trends are changing, that people have already started to change the way they're doing business in other markets, just hasn't made its way out over here into Canada yet. That's where we thought, okay, there's an exciting opportunity there, right? in fragmented industries where it's strife with a lack of innovation so um we that's when we kind of focus on the dry cleaning space again if you look at the dry cleaning space without even looking at anything we're doing just from a consumer's perspective you'll kind of recognize that the traditional way of doing dry cleaning is you go to your neighborhood dry cleaner right there's one in every strip mall it's usually called cleaner yeah. very little branding right True. and you go there you drop it off and you, you might forget about it for two weeks and then you end up going and picking up when you get the to, call okay so we saw that that was an interesting opportunity for us to look at and innovate the childcare space another one where we uh, where we, we recognize that in Canada we're looking at a very unique situation in terms of childcare as it relates to any other mature market If you look at the States, if you look at the UK, uh, UK, even if you look into Scandinavia, what you'll find, Australia too, what you'll find is that you've got like 15, 20 companies that have thousands of locations across the country. Right?
0: The real estate aspect
1: behind it. Well, the real estate aspect, but also the standardization aspect of it. In Canada, The largest player when we started looking at this com- the the industry was a company called Kids and Co, which had about ninety locations across the country. Yes. The rest and, and number two player was Bright Path, about seventy locations across the country. The rest was mom and pops,
0: mm-hmm.
1: highly in Edmonton alone there was one hundred and thirty five independent childcare providers one. at that time. Yeah, onesies and twosies, right? So we saw that we said, okay, another opportunity for us to look at a highly fragmented market, look at what are people doing. And how can we innovate? So that's kind of how we decided on those two specifically. We call them our, our dinosaur industries, right? How can we make the ways of the past extinct and do something completely different? So okay. looking at you know, a ton of innovation, both from a consumer standpoint, but then also from the process mm-hmm. and end standpoint, uh, that's been our journey for the last three years. That's amazing. In that innovation. Yeah.
0: Can you share with me, let's say we talk about Kepler Academy for sure. Of all, and I'm really glad I have the
1: fortunate opportunity yes. to be a little bit of, fun. we are too. Yeah. We are very glad to have you. Man. Yeah. yeah. And even
0: with jujitsu being one of, let's say the extracurricular activities yeah. that kids have a fortunate opportunity to do. Absolutely. Can you share more so on the learning methodologies yeah. behind what you guys do? Because absolutely. I find it very unique how when I've researched daycares, especially after we've uh, talked and what you've told me about air, is how certain daycares, from my understanding, each follow a, a specific philosopher Typically, or a yeah, yeah, yeah. specific methodology. Yeah, absolutely. And it seems like Kepler follows a very hybrid approach. And I wanted you to share some of the let's say, learning opportunities that children are getting from capital. You're not going to get at any other daycare, even at your own home.
1: No, and and thank you for the opportunity to share that. I mean, so for us, when we started looking at the industry, and again, I'll preface this by saying I'm not, an educator right i have no formal training in this nor do i pretend to that's why we have brought on board our team people who are very very strong in that regard right so that being said though your, your mba from new york would say otherwise <laughs> well it's not an mba in education it's yeah, an mba in punching numbers into a computer so um so yeah no so so that's number one right is, is the fact that the curriculum was not developed by me nor was it developed by ahmed my my, my colleague in in, in equities it was developed by people who are actually in the early learning and, and, and education space. But what we did before we even brought those people on board was try to understand and learn as much as possible, right? We, we tried to say, okay, who are the groups that we should be talking to in order to understand what is the, the like we, we call it internally, the evolving world, right? Like how do we get a step ahead of uh, what is coming down the road? So we started talking to a group, for example, called the Alberta Family Wellness Initiative, which has done decades worth of research on how early interactions in a child affect later outcomes, right? How, how you talk to a child under the age of three is instrumental in either strengthening their brainwave patterns or potentially creating situations whereby they're more susceptible towards behavioral health issues, right? That could be addiction, you know, all sorts of things, yeah. 20, 30 years down the line. Wow. The first three to five years of a child's life is by far the most critical for their long-term development. And, and I'm sure and this is
0: scientifically proven. Yeah, it's, it's, that...
1: it's, it's academically researched, scientifically proven. So they partnered with the Harvard Center for the Developing Child in this study. Wow. And, and, uh, and so it's the Mannix Foundation out in Calgary that was kind of spearheading it. So so we met with the Mannix family said, hey, listen, we're, we're, bu- we're building up this daycare. We want to make sure that what we're teaching our educators... Is well in line with what you guys have found in terms of research. Then we met with the Telus World of Science. We said, "Okay." W- originally, me and Emily were like, "Because you know, we don't know any better. We're like, we're gonna make this all digital, all computer yeah, based, yeah. all iPad based." And then we started talking to educators. Are like, "Oh uh, no, no more than eight minutes of screen time a day." We're like, "Okay, take that. <laughs> Never <time>. mind." <laughs> yeah, but we we met with Telus World of Science. We said we still want to make sure that the the elements of our evolving world are taught to the children in a way that is still beneficial. They're still learning the fundamentals behind something like programming and coding, but not having to sit in front of a computer or sit in front of a screen. Yeah. So we started looking at what are toys that we can use to teach children basic like if-then statements, right? So for example, we have a toy called Cubelets, which are like building blocks. I don't know if you've noticed it whenever you've been into Kepler, but they, they just look like play blocks but when you put like one and another one together, it might start lighting up, right? Or this one, this one, and that one together, it might start spinning around, right? right? So what you're doing is you're teaching children if-then statements. Without actually having to like punch it onto a computer. Wow! Right. Very so, neat. and then there's more advanced ones as the children get older. So, so our philosophy is very much stream based, right? Science, technology, robotics, engineering, arts, and math. Right. That's kind of the fundamental core philosophy that we look after. Um, whereas most people will look under one kind of like you mentioned, either the Reggio, the Waldorf. Or the Montessori philosophy, and kind of build their programming around one of those three philosophies. We've looked at it more so from a discovery, exploration, and kind of more of a holistic approach towards a mm-hmm. child's development, without looking at only you know utilizing learning tools uh, from one philosophy to the next. So you know the robotics is a big component of it. You mentioned extracurriculars; that's another huge component of what we're trying to do. Because for us, it's not just about um, the academic development of the child. It's also about the social, emotional, uh, physiological, and mental development of the child, right? So, you know, from both I would suggest social, emotional, and physiological, maybe even mental... Things like jujitsu make a ton of sense, right? Things like yoga make a ton of sense. Things like uh, um, cooking classes and arts classes make a ton of sense. So that's why we've partnered with really leading uh, professionals and and institutions um, like yourself to come to the facilities and teach the children these very important skills because for us, it's a big component of the holistic development of a child, right? And that's really how we've tried to uh, to differentiate, so obviously the safety of the and security of the child is number one, right yeah. that has to be the top priority of any child care center that is open anywhere in the world yeah. um, and and we do not take that lightly at all, yeah. right, but we want to look at how can we add value beyond just kind of babysitting services yeah. right and so that 's why we started to look really strongly into all these different areas, really cool. and how we think we can differentiate from from the masses is by making sure that these aspects that we're pushing become standardized across all of our different locations because that's really where I think we can make a difference you know right now there are very strong programs in the city right but the problem is they might get filled and then the parent is again rolling the dice about where they should take their child because you're looking at literally 130 150 independent childcare providers right? So yes, one might have a strong reputation, but they're likely filled. So now as a parent, what are you doing? You're going to the next most convenient location. They might not have as many reviews. You might not know people who are going there. You might not you know, be as familiar with some of their teaching methodologies. So you're putting their child in, in that facility. Chances are, you know, knock on wood, hopefully they'll be absolutely fine. they will be great. But the fact is that you are definitely making a choice that's not based on standardized curriculum and processes and all that stuff that potentially something someone like us can provide when you've got multiple locations with the same learning methodologies, the same teaching practices, the same regulations across the board, right? Mm. So for a large format player, that's where I think we can really make a big difference mm. is in that standardized approach so that a parent can tour a facility in Sherwood Park and sign up for a spot in St. Albert yeah. because they know that the experience they'll get from Kepler Academy is going to be consistent across the board. Yeah.
0: And I think that's the very important part, right? I To, to share with you my personal experience Please. based off of what I see is, and if this is for even if there's any parent out there paying attention to this and listening to even see if... Kepler Academy is right for their child because yeah. for one I think it's important to address that that is probably one of the most important decisions to make as parents collectively totally. to see where they're going to have their kids yeah. spend the majority of their time while they're busy 100%, 100%. Right? that's 44% of their child's day
1: it, and it's not something we take lightly at all,
0: right? at all and what I find that's really beautiful is I know for one and to just address the elephant in the room is when I'm Doing jujitsu jitsu and teaching it, yeah. ultimately, do I wish every kid is, is just as excited as I am to be in there? Yes. yes. But is that the case? No. Of course. Right? Yeah. There's going to be the select few that are – they love it. They do stuff. They're excited. Yeah. And then there's maybe going to be the one or two outliers who are on the side. Right. But the best part is you get to see what they want to be doing. Totally. You know? And yeah. when I see Kepler Academy, it's offering pretty much – Every single significant way of learning mm-hmm. and, and, like, optimizing and stimulating a kid's brain mm-hmm. through multiple different ways. Yeah. Where, okay, if they're not necessarily enjoying the jiu-jitsu aspect of things, then you see them off in the corner playing with the dinosaurs. Yeah. And then you see another kid who's it's very child-led. It's drawn. very
1: child-led, for sure. Right? For sure.
0: And what I love about that is it's a place where you get to really see at a young age... What the kid's vested interest is in. Totally. And how
1: they like to stay yeah. creative. Yeah, totally. You know? And we try to use that in a manner, and, and this is not unique to us, right? I mean, you know, the, the Alberta Education and, and, and Licensing Board does a very good job of making sure that this is standard practice across yes. the board, right? So, so when I say, for example, that a, ch- a parent is rolling the dice, I don't mean that necessarily from a, a safety perspective. I mean that from a, a teaching methodology perspective, right? Yes. Um, because that's where you get a lot of differentiation. Um, you know, there's certainly regulatory boards and, and very strong licensing boards that make sure that each center is safe. So that's not—I'm not trying to stoke fear into yeah. anybody's anybody's hearts. It's more so from a teaching methodology perspective. And, and you're right; our methodology is very child-led, right? Yeah. So if a child is showing that they're more interested in dinosaurs than in jujitsu, we'll try to use dinosaurs as a theme to teach them other things, right? Yeah. So let's put five dinosaurs on the table and get the child to count how many dinosaurs are there right let's talk about the dinosaur this dinosaur is a herbivore do you know what that means that means they eat plants right you know there's vegetarian diets there's meat eating diets right what color is this dinosaur oh the dinosaur is green that's the color green right so you use that as a medium to make sure that they're still getting their holistic education but led by the child's interest right so that's a really really strong fundamental component of what we're trying to accomplish that's
0: very well said and i think i've I have an idea of how you would answer this, but I think it's fair to really get your opinion on it. Sure. It's on two things. Uh, Related to, let's say, uh, child development um, as its own entity. Yeah. Do you believe, Sikandar, in your opinion that um, children should ultimately be, let's say, parented in a daycare if there was also an option to be parented uh, by their own parents? And like if if one of the so I I would never yeah
1: so I would never ever say that what we're doing is parenting ever right because it's not it's not what we're doing right Uh, uh, we work with family units to make sure that we support their needs while the parents are at work or potentially they see the value in what we're doing that they want to put their child with the early learning yeah the early learning aspect of it for sure. But, so, so for us, it's not a matter of substituting parenting. That is absolutely not what we're doing, sure. right? What we're doing is saying, okay, there are aspects of what we can provide that maybe you can't provide just being at home, right? For example, yes. group play, you know, yes. putting a child in an environment where they have to be comfortable with other children, where yeah. they have to be comfortable with age, Totally, right? all that is gonna help in their long-term development, right? Um, you know, introducing them to new adventurous uh, activities you know, where it might not be as feasible for a parent to do on their own, that's an, another avenue that we can offer, right? Things like jujitsu or yoga or African drumming or all the different activities that we do on site, you know, it, it would be a very challenging task for a parent to do that on yeah. their own if they're a stay-at-home parent, that's right? And of, of course, the stay-at-home parent has enough, you know, things to worry about and all the different aspects of parenting that they have to be concerned with that adding all these additional uh, services, it, it, it oftentimes is just not practical, right? So for us, it's not about what's better, it's more so what makes the most sense for the family unit, right? Okay. And there's times where we might not be able to. Uh, provide what a, a parent is looking for, right? I mean, we've lost parents, uh, you know, there, there's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But it's always been a situation where, you know, we've never just said like, okay, well, you know, there's the door. Never, right? right. It's always, okay, well, how can we try to provide value? Right? How can we either give them the resources that they do require? Maybe yeah. there's instances where, you know, the, the, the needs of the family are beyond what we can offer. Yeah. They might need um, more specialized uh, care or they might need behavioral therapist care. We, sure. We'll make those introductions. We've got people on uh, on, on constant uh, uh, I don't want to say retainer but more so it's just like a, a close relationship with that we can call on at any time and say hey we've got a family that really needs your time. Let's sit down together and make sure that that happens. Right? So so we'll do that when we need to yeah. right? but it is definitely not uh, a situation where we would ever say that we're uh, trying to take away or trying to diminish the role of the parent because we definitely see this as a relationship that is encompassing the entire family unit. Yeah. yeah, No, that makes sense. And yeah. I, I love seeing that because that's the difference between...
0: Somebody who's now willing to actually humanize the experience totally. and say, "Okay, well, if you're not ultimately going to be a customer and you need a specific service yeah. that we, let's say, just aren't specialized in or right. can't do, we know someone who can." Yeah, absolutely. And can provide that to you. So, thanks totally. to you guys. No, man. That yeah,
1: I appreciate that.
0: Another question I had—it's more so on a personal note sure. because, um I don't think any of our listeners even know this, and I'll share it with you—is like one, one of the things I most very well look forward to doing is being a dad. Right, awesome. like I, I get excited at the thought of even having a kid. Amazing. And uh, part of the reason why I just enjoy being around the kids at Kepler so much. And I want to know, just based off of maybe your own opinion and how you look at it, do you see value in talking to your kid personally, if and when you choose to have one, or even just kids in general, um, as an adult? like. Having a conversation just like how we are. Yeah, like, yeah, hey, yeah. Buddy, how's your day going? No, so and like as much as they may not be yeah, are. That's an interesting question. Saying, you can see their. I don't reluctant. know what
1: the I don't like. Listen, I'm I, I'm not an educator, right? So yeah. I don't know what the right answer is. Yeah, fair. And um, but from like from, and I'll give you my personal experience, right? Because I I do not have any kids but i do have four nephews and a niece right nice. and for me like i feel like it's a very different relationship when you're an uncle yeah. because you can be more chill right you be the so for, for them i definitely am like that right i speak to them on the human level awesome. we like hang out i call them my bros like it's 100 that sort of a vibe but if it's my own kid i don't know like i think there's a certain aspect where you do have to make sure that there's a level of like camaraderie, but at the same time, there's definitely a level of, like, discipline and rule setting as well, right? I don't mean discipline like in a physical sense, I just mean in a sense of, like, structure, right? And someone has to be the authoritarian to create that structure, right? So, I think the way uh, parenting is evolving is is evident, right? People are a lot more about letting the child um, explore their passions and interests, I think is great, Um, but I also think there definitely still needs to be parenting as yeah, part of that process, absolutely. right?
0: Just to be uh, clear, though, sorry. What I'm really meant was is like, let's say, let's compare it to like babying the kid. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, like yeah. So yeah. like, oh, he baby,
1: yeah, yeah, baby, Yeah, Right. Like yeah. that compared
0: to, hey, how you doing? Like yeah.
1: More so of the. I mean, I so like I, again, I I would have to do more research into like how, and this is probably something I should know based on the fact I'm in the industry. Yeah, but no, that's fair. But, this, but like, I, I would need to know like you know what is the appropriate like so so. Mm, what I do know is that it's important to engage with the child, yeah. right? If a ch- like, and again, this goes back to like what AFWI teaches or what everybody teaches, right? It's, that it's called serve and return interaction. If a child is showing that they're interested in something, you should engage in that, yeah. right? And it's why... Plopping a child in front of like Netflix or uh, an iPad is so dangerous because they're firing one-way synapse it's very responses. True. Right. So it's like it's a one-way thread. The TV is giving the child stimulus, and there's no return function. Nothing at all. Right. Whereas if, for example, a child is saying, you know, if he if he points at your zipper, right, you like, oh, you like the zipper, right? Engage in the zipper, yeah, right? Have a so, conversation. About yeah. It. Back exactly. And forth. So then now it's called serve and return, right? So it's, you're returning the interaction and then they can serve it back. So, yeah. so from that perspective, yeah, it's very important to engage in a child, with a child, right? Rather than just be like, oh, goo goo and yeah, then and call it a day. So I, I'm a big believer in that. But in terms of like, you know, the, the verb, like the word choices and all that, I say, I don't know, man, like, i have no idea yeah we'll find out i probably (laughs) would lean just like based on my person i probably would lean more towards like just treating them like a a a human being rather than just like as a little baby you know yeah no that's true and what's
0: neat about that though it's kind of going on a different lens and we'll kind of conclude in this sense is uh we'll conclude on this topic before we show about what's next is uh like what i noticed when i go let's say to the i believe it's the navigators or it's yeah. like the kids who are aged 3 to 4, yeah, four yeah, or 4 to 5 yeah yeah, yeah. Which are both navigators yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'll talk to the navigator group and uh, I'll ask them a question especially if we have time and we have the sure. time have a conversation and I'll just keep it open and I'll be like hey, yeah. how's your guys day going and yeah like, yeah and the response you get is hilarious because it, it turns into a domino effect totally. you get the one confident kid who's like he doesn't answer your question <laughs> but he's so excited to think about what's at the top of mind and you'll be like I'm going to a movie this weekend there you go <laughs> and then, That's awesome and then right the moment he says that you get every single kid. They don't even, like, raise their hand. They're all singing at once. Yeah, yeah. About what they're going to do this weekend. Yeah. About who's going to pick them up. And I love it. you just kind of let it, if there's time on. Totally. You let it happen organically. And it's just amazing to see at that age how, like, there, there becomes an immediate increase in trust. It becomes this, like, level of excitement where you just give them an opportunity to talk. Exactly. And I'm just trying to, like, follow through. I'm like, hey, guys, one at a time. Let's see who's going to sing. No, I totally,
1: I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. It's one of those things where, like, Kids have like I see this with my nephews all the time, right? Like they have the most wild, like thinking patterns. What <laughs> yeah. did you come up with? Bouncing off walls. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like I, I'm like I was um, I, 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 like the the tennis match that happened last weekend, the women's uh, finals at U.S. Open, yeah, where the Canadian won, right? Bianca won. Uh, like for the first time, Kane won a U.S. A, a U.S. Open, or actually any major championship in tennis. Right? I was living under a rock then. <laughs> yeah, I guess she beat uh, Williams and she beat uh, Serena Williams. But that's nuts. Um, so anyway, so I was watching, that and then I, I went to go see my nephew after. He's like, he just turned five, right? Um, and I was like, oh, did you watch that? He was like, yeah. And I'm like, what did you think? He's like, to be honest, I'm not that impressed. And I'm like, well, what do you mean you're not there? <laughs> like, what? And he's like, I'm mad. like but he not you know, he doesn't understand what he's saying. Like in terms of like the magnitude of what just happened, but like, you know one of those where it's like where do you
0: even think of saying that, man? <laughs> like, come on, dude. Like, you realize that?
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, God, what? I love that. But that's it's, a, yeah, you give a child an opportunity to actually speak in that manner rather than just, like, discipline them or yeah. just, like, you know, that baby them. Yeah, they'll totally surprise you, man. It's awesome. One
0: thing that was really unique, uh, you know, is how my girlfriend she tells me all the time she says her dad growing up even when she was like eight years old would just go to her and say hey this is what's going on in the business right now what do you think it's like, awesome give me, give me your perspective That's awesome. but like asking an eight year old that and she would tell him Yeah. and he would follow her advice and then he always used to say what you said worked like you were like, there you go. like good luck there job, you go. right? and as cute as that is at the same time it's just amazing how you give a kid a chance, kind of share their opinion, and they'll sometimes they'll really no, surprise looks, Yeah,
1: no, absolutely, right. absolutely. To transition, I know sure. we
0: have uh, a few minutes left. Yeah, 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 And I want to take these few minutes to talk about your other venture that's yeah. separate from Kepler, which is the laundry business yeah, the press gallery. yeah. And I know at this point people are probably blown away at the fact that this is another thing you're doing to yeah. everything else. yeah, right? yeah. But again, to your point about being able to be creative in all these spaces, share with us what... You have done recently, and what you are yeah. doing to completely change the game. With yeah. The
1: so again, when we acquired the Press Gallery, which uh, had been in operation since 1987, um, we acquired a traditional dry cleaning business, but one that actually had tried to develop and had successfully developed a bit of a brand in the city of Edmonton. Right? They were they were well respected for their quality. They had won numerous awards for their dry cleaning service. They were the first ones in Edmonton to uh, do pickup and drop-off service. First ones to be 100% eco-friendly. So they had shown a willingness to be pioneers in ways that now is kind of more the norm, right? Very, like a a vast majority of dry cleaners in the city have now transitioned towards more of a 100% eco-friendly process. Pretty much everybody offers drop-off and pickup service. So they they were able to innovate, but the innovation had now become kind of at a point where it was a little bit more stagnant. Mm And when I saw the industry as a whole, the dry cleaning industry as a whole, it really didn't make sense to me, right? Because people are still doing things the same way that they've been doing things forever, which is to go to their physical brick-and-mortar location of their neighborhood dry cleaner, drop off their clothes. And now we talked about two weeks later, they reminded to go pick it up, and they'll pick it up, right? So for me, the pickup and drop-off service that, yes, now everybody had kind of started to offer – needed to be more of a focus right rather than like a random side thing that we might do on the side and monday through you know once every week that we'll come pick up in like a very confirmed confined area rather than that i i thought okay why do we even need brick and mortar locations right why can't we just have a fleet of drivers on the road picking up and dropping off with quick turnaround right one day two day turnaround and have an ability for people to utilize technology to get their clothes picked up from their home, dropped off at their office, or vice versa, or whatever the hell that is convenient for them, totally. right? You know, we're doing it with our food, with skip the dishes, yeah. and with everything else. You're we're doing, it, find with, the we're doing it with toiletries, with Amazon. We're yeah. doing it with, you know, uh, literally everything you can imagine. Everything that's in-home service-based is being push towards a technology platform that yeah. pushes convenience for the consumer except for your laundry and dry cleaning. And for me, it was a no-brainer that we... And this isn't unique, right? In, in Again, in more mature markets, this is happening in New yeah. York and Toronto and Vancouver. People have developed apps and are, are utilizing it to try to drive dry cleaning and, and laundry traffic. Yeah. So for me, that was a big push initially, right? The other thing was on the back end, the innovation that we could do on the actual cleaning process. So we moved from a 1,200-square-foot facility to a 17,000-square-foot facility where we can fully automate the storing, the bagging, the, 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 the sorting process, obviously the cleaning we utilize is the highest end equipment that we can find yes. um so so the process is as automated as you can get from from that perspective yeah. so so the back-end innovation was a more i would suggest linear process mm-hmm. right it didn't really require a lot of creativity it was like what's the equipment that's out there that we can fly in from italy bring it over here and get it as streamlined as pro- as possible it's more the consumer facing stuff that mm-hmm. we really needed to innovate on right so again Push laundry and dry cleaning as a delivery service through an app-based platform. That was the first thing we did. The second thing we did was say, okay, more and more people in Edmonton, at least, are moving towards an urbanized community, right? Moving towards downtown, moving into condo buildings, moving into apartment buildings. Um, and because of that, they don't necessarily have the freedom and luxury to just leave their bag of laundry outside of their front doorstep of their of their home in you know Windermere for us to come and pick up and drop yeah. off. Because now you have to buzz us in. You have to. We have to get up to your building. You, you know, some buildings don't allow that. All that exactly. stuff. So and said, Plus,
0: to add to that, sorry, no, no. the biggest pain in the ass is sometimes some of these buildings. Yeah. They have to go all the way down to the main floor to, to do their laundry.
1: Right. It's so, not even an instrument. No, no, totally, totally. Right? There's about seventy five buildings in the city. Edmonton that don't have insulate washer dryer. So the the next thing we did was to introduce locker systems, right? So so we've got one that's in a commercial tower, and we're going to be launching another seven that are in both commercial and residential towers that are literally locker systems that we're we're putting into these uh, condo buildings and, and commercial and residential buildings that allow tenants to essentially drop off their bag of laundry into an available locker unit, and um, we'll get notified via their app platform that, hey, there's a pickup that needs to be made from, you know, Windsor Park Plaza uh, in, in college, you know, in the, in the university area. Yeah. Our drivers will automatically get scheduled to pick up from there. We'll bring it back to our facility. We'll wash it. We'll, we'll clean it. We'll return it back to the locker. Then the consumer will get a notification on their app saying, hey, your clothes are already picked up from your locker, right? So they don't have to leave their building and their dry cleaning is done for them, right? So that was the next step we did. And then now the, the, the third step we've taken, this is something we're just now rolling out in a pretty aggressive manner, is something that has never been done before, and I mean that sincerely, yeah. um, not at the rate nor at the level that we're doing it, is recognizing that less and less people wear dry, clean only clothing and moving our business model entirely now towards a laundry service business. Mm-hmm. And so the next thing, not entirely, but like as a big focus, right? Yeah. So the next thing we've now launched is something called Press Plus, which is a subscription laundry service. Well, now, this, again, going back to your point that a lot of people, in order to do their laundry in, a, in an apartment building, you have to walk down, you know, God knows how many flights of stairs sucks. with their dirty laundry, <laughs> yeah. do it, sit there for two hours, make sure that nobody jacks their clothes, yeah. put it in the dryer, and then fold it and bring it back. So for fifty bucks a month, we're offering forty pounds of wash and fold laundry for people. Wow. Right. So set and forget it price, right? We we give you a bag, you throw your laundry in there every whatever Monday, you throw it in there, we'll come pick it up, we'll bring it back to our facility, we'll wash it, we'll fold it for you, we'll deliver it back to you by Wednesday. You give us your another batch of laundry that you need done and we'll do that every week. Within right? forty eight hours. Within 48 hours, we'll return your laundry. Wow. And, and for 50 bucks a month, I mean, that's basically online with what you would traditionally spend doing laundry yourself. What a steal. The average consumer is spending 10 hours a month and uh, 50 bucks a month on you know utilities, detergent costs, all that other stuff. Mm-hmm um the time yeah so so that's one package that we have and then for larger families so that one's more geared towards i would suggest younger professionals maybe people who are single or young couples so 40 pounds of laundry and then we have an 80 pound for 80 uh 80 a month package Mm. which might be geared more towards young families you know a lot of young being with kepler and you know you see it all the time the amount of laundry that young families have to do is is exponentially oh, saying, increase, yeah. right? Well, oh,
0: man, to this day, my mom's like, sorry, Sunday, I'm busy, son. I'm doing my laundry. Yeah, yeah there and you go. a
1: whole day. Right? So there you go. So for 80 bucks, 80, uh, 80 pounds a month, uh, wow. we, we've, we've launched that service as well. So again, it's just thinking about how can we make sure that we are not doing a service that is now becoming obsolete, right? Because... Yep. You see it you see it all the time. I mean, we just moved our offices from downtown into mm-hmm. the West End. But when I was in downtown, you kind of saw it over the last five years. Less and less people are wearing ties to work. Then less and less people are wearing full suits to work. Yeah. And now less and less people are wearing dress shirts to work, right? So it's an evolving trend. And if yeah. we don't keep up with it we're going to get completely become obsolete, completely obsolete. So, so yeah, we're constantly thinking of ways we can innovate within Press Gallery, and, and we've got really high hopes with Press Plus, and, you know, that's a service that anybody can sign up for. You don't have to just be in one of these towers that have our locker service. We'll pick it up from your home. We'll pick it up from your office. Wherever is convenient for you, for you, wow. we'll do your laundry. We, we want to do your laundry. That's the bottom line.
0: That is fantastic. Yeah. I love it. Sign me up, man. Like this, I, I want do. this for yes. me, my
1: family members, my friends. Absolutely. That's, it's yes. one of those days where it's like it's one of the only tasks where we're completely okay with just like doing it because nobody has introduced a service that removes it. Right. Yeah. People outsource their lawn care all the time. They outsource their shoveling all their time. Food delivery yeah. all the time. All Everything. This. But you're still sitting there folding and washing your clothes because it's just never been an affordable solution. Yeah, exactly. I'm
0: telling you, with where we're heading now, I won't be surprised, Sikander, if and when people do like a like a toilet. To go. Like, something where I swear... like that's <laughs> There already where, is. No one wants Dude, to
1: move or do it, yeah. anything, anything. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. But <laughs> it's insane. You know what? It's one of those things where it's like a struggle between... Are we becoming lazy or are we just becoming hyper-efficient? Yeah, you know? that's true.
0: I would argue this, this second. Yeah. I find that for those who wish not to be lazy because they're spending their time more effectively with other things. More time with family. More time with, you know, moving uh, the ladder forward with work. Whatever right. it might be. Right? They're now not spending much of their time doing the mundane task which once exactly. upon a time it had to be done yeah because technology wouldn't allow for something like absolutely to be exactly done. exactly
1: exactly it's no brilliant. well spent well said
0: if we can now seconder just since we've uh very much so reached the conclusion that we've gotten like amazing information from you i swear you're like a human textbook right? <laughs> No, really, man i really appreciate it. pre- i
1: appreciate you. the time man I yeah no problem
0: time. i want to kind of put it in the perspective of i'm sure um for those listening to this who want to do more than one thing, who wish to be innovative and and they have all of these ideas and they want to do all of them, what's like the best advice you give to that one person? And maybe uh, they've got money saved up in the bank and it's their investment money and maybe you could also share with how much they would need to maybe start one idea or both ideas at the same time. What would just be that advice from your angle? How someone can go about doing multiple different things eventually?
1: and how do you yeah do i mean listen like not everybody needs to do multiple things right i mean at the end of the day if if you're looking to start a side hustle then yeah you do need to do multiple things because uh i think the idea of following your dreams is kind of bullshit you gotta follow what puts food on your table first and then you can you know if you can figure out a way to do that and follow your dreams fantastic otherwise do that Follow your dreams on the side until you can make that something profitable enough to put food on your table. Right? So you you gotta be realistic, right? That's number one. You gotta make sure you're realistic, you gotta make sure that you're driven. As it relates to um, the the other half of your question, then maybe we can jump back to the first half, but the other half of your question about like how much money do you need to get started, that's something that can be very, very subjective and very flexible, right? I started my first company when I was 19 when I was in wow. university with literally $0, right? Um, and, you know, second company with like $2,000, right? We bought a little bit of equipment and we're good to go. Cool. Um, so, there, you know, it does not take a ton of money necessarily to start a business, depending on what the business is, right? Now, if your business has a lot of capital uh, expenditures up front, then yeah, of course, you need the investment to get going. Yeah. But that's not a, there's no hard and fast rule. It all depends on what you're doing, how quickly you want to grow, how, how, how big of a risk you want to take. Because at the end of the day, that's what business is, right? It's a function of risk and return. So, money being the big measuring stick of that risk and return, that's what you have to personally decide is this worth putting the savings into is this worth putting my you know my side hustle money into Like yeah. whatever it is that's something that you got to make that conscious decision about and say okay i believe in this idea enough or i believe in myself enough that i'm going to take this risk because i think the return is there right so mm-hmm. it's a subjective question with a million different answers based on the person's definition of what they're comfortable with right so um but yeah in terms of like how you could potentially pursue uh numerous things at once again it it comes down to prioritizing and organizing right Mm -hmm. you got to prioritize what puts food on the table number one yes Um but then when you've got when you've got the time and the ability and the desire to do something more um the likelihood is that if you're really driven, and in order to be successful, you need to be really driven, you're gonna find the time.
0: Love it. Yeah. It's very fair. Your, your point about prioritizing what's ultimately bringing money on the table really speaks volumes to me. Yeah. Because even with what I'm doing sometimes, I get a little bit distracted with all the other side hustles. Yeah. And I
1: mean, I listen, that so could much. be my very yeah. narrow capitalist mindset too. <laughs> you know? Could be others who are just like, no, don't chase money, chase the dream. Yeah. And that's fine, right? If that's what your priority is and do that. Yeah just recognize that, you know, that's not potentially a long-term solution. Exactly.
0: It's like ultimately asking yourself, okay, how urgent and important is this right now? Yeah. And then following through everything else along totally. the way. Totally. Right? Uh, we ask this with every one of our guests. We say that, you know, we, we really hold ourselves accountable to, to recognizing you as someone who, who very well deserves and has the ability to um, represent what it's like to be on the second floor. Right? And metaphorically speaking, I want to ask you, Sikandar, what you believe from your perspective. What does it take to be on the second floor when you feel like um, you are kind of a step above as far as? your your mentality and as far as how with everything you spoke about having a very innovative and creative mindset and being able to think outside the box Mm -hmm.
1: uh, what do you believe it takes to
0: have that type of mentality
1: i mean we talked about this briefly before we got started but for me i i personally do not see myself in that way where it's a matter of like i've cracked some sort of secret code Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think a lot of that is you know we talked about how normal is different for everybody based on their own personal experience right so for me what i'm doing is normal right but for somebody else, it might be not considered as normal. I I think, like, personally speaking, it's not so much about, like, ability or anything like that. It's more so, for me, I think just, like, the way I'm wired, I'm always, I'm thinking very creatively in in elements that may not otherwise be seen as creative outlets, right? right? And I think a lot of that has to do with my upbringing, right? I've been in a very entrepreneurial family my entire life, and And have seen that, you know, you can have a lot of innovation in industries where you maybe don't think there's a lot of innovation, right? Like, we talk about dry cleaning, for God's sakes, right? Dry cleaning sounds like literally the most boring thing you could potentially get yourself (laughs) into. But we've been able to have a lot of fun with it because we looked at it from a creative lens, right? And I think that's just the, the mindset that I have is... I am a big idea person, right? I love brainstorming about where we can take things and 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 seeing how you can take an idea and turn it into reality, yes. right? And for me, I use that mindset in, in everything, right? I use that with the Oscars. You know, I saw it as a vision of how can we become the largest and, and a truly global film festival that showcases the diverse talents of the Muslim community, right? And then we got to work. Let's execute now, yeah. right? So, f- personally, for me, it's always been an idea of never think of something as like, um, like as too big to take on, right? I've always been very much an, a, a person who looks at where can this go, right? Where's the where's our vision, and how do we get there, right? And ha- now let's start to take fewer steps back and execute along the way. So. So I guess that's, that's the answer from my perspective. It's more so just the mindset of recognizing that you can do more than what you might see is directly in front of you.
0: Definitely. Wow. That is very inspiring. It's almost like for me, it reminds me so much of what I just read recently with David Goggins, where it's like, you think you're at your hundred percent, but you're really only tapping into the 40% of what you're capable
1: of doing. Yeah. Or or, what you're comfortable doing. Yes. Yeah.
0: Exactly. I love it. Uh, as we conclude, I just want to honestly like, take a second to acknowledge and appreciate pretty much just everything that you're doing. Oh, right? dude. Like, I find uh, that uh, you're somebody who not only is doing all of these different things where one would almost look at it like, oh, it's profitable and it's going to make me money. You have not once even mentioned that. And about your character, too, it has nothing to even do with money. For you, I see that you're doing something where you're feeling a need. I yeah, not- see that with yeah. everything from the Oscars to the press gallery, everything at Kepler Academy, you are providing a service that normally every single person in the world who, who, who wants to be a part of all three of these things is already needing and already using it, but you're just making it that much more exciting, that much more accessible, and you're taking your creativity that you are
1: blessed with and you're just adding that much more to it. Damn, man. Can Same. I just like carry you around with me? Whenever <laughs> I need like a little bit of uh, uh, hype train, man, I appreciate it. No that. worries, Thank man. That, so that's much. what happens yeah, that's when I get that. the, you
0: know, no worries, man. No, you're welcome. No, no. It's just when, when I get the obvious, uh, you know, blessed opportunities. No, well, no, this no, was, man. this
1: was a treat. This is a treat for me.
0: No worries, man. For everyone listening to this, I want, uh want you to share if anyone wants to continue to see what you're doing and, and how maybe they could reach out to you or yeah, see absolutely. Of your projects. Where's the best place to find it? If you go
1: to, uh, so from the professional standpoint, uh, if you go to nextequities.com, N-E-X-T-E-Q-U-I-T-I-E-S.com, that's just kind of our general landing page of all of our different portfolio companies, and then you can click through to Press Gallery from there, and Kepler Academy from there. Uh, and all of the other companies in our portfolio. though, Those are the two here in Edmonton that I'm most involved with. Yeah. Um, and then for The Moskers, it's just com. Yeah. M-O-S-Q-U-E-R-S.com. It's a play on Mosk and Oscars. If awesome. No, I love the name. People didn't <laughs> pick up on that. But uh, but yeah, and, and, and tickets for the event that's happening next Saturday yes. at the Winspear Center um, are on sale right now at themoscars.com slash tickets
0: fantastic yeah and you could very well count on the second floor for being there awesome man appreciate it thank you so much together thank you that's a wrap
1: guys